Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right. Good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. SOAP. How are you feeling? You guys awake? You're ready to dig into God's word? I'm so excited. We're talking about Elijah and Elijah calling Elisha and everything that happened after, um, you know, the confrontation with the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Um, so uh, we got a lot to cover here. Um, and we're, we're, we're at the end of our uh, February soap, the end of the Miracles in Motion theme soap. And we're just talking about the miracles of God, the miracles of the Bible, and what God has done um, in the past. And, 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 and we're seeing what God is doing right now in the present. And we're expectant for what God is going to do in the future. Amen. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, this opportunity we have, Father, to, to read from your word, to read this story about prophet Elijah and, and, and what he went through, Father, Lord, in, in the service of your will, Lord God, and how how we can view him as, as a great, great man, Lord God, but he was still a man. He was still a human being, Lord, and still had his own problems and still had his own hangups, Lord Jesus, so that can give us the assurance that we're, we're doing okay, Father, as long as we continue to, to seek your face and look to do your will, Lord. Be with us during this time, Father. Speak to us. Uh, I pray that it be your words that are heard, not mine. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. All right. So 1 Kings 19, verses 11 through 21, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Verse 19, so he departed from there and found, uh, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. 
Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said, Go back, for what have I done to, to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Amen. And amen. All right. So. In verse 18, um, excuse me, chapter 18 um, is the story of. Elijah's victory on Mount Carmel over the prophets. And it was 450 prophets, prophets of Baal, and um, as well as 400 prophets of Asherah. First Kings 18, chapter 19 says, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel, as we know, was a wicked, wicked, wicked queen and had a lot of influence over her wicked, wicked husband, Ahab. And they would bring all these prophets, all these, these, these false prophets of these false gods around them. And so we have in, in chapter 18 was the victory, right? And it's the story of how, you know, he said, Hey, if your if your gods can, you know, light up this this altar cool but my god's gonna do this and they chanted and they this and then he mocked them and he said hey maybe your god's asleep scream louder and all that whole amazing story and and finally when it was his turn he had them douse his altar with water and it was a time of famine so there wasn't a whole lot of water but it was like take all the water we have and then god shot down fire and ignited everything both altars right and so great victory happened after that and then they slaughtered all the prophets of Baal and Asherah and you know but then in the beginning of chapter 19 as we read about yesterday Jezebel threatens Elijah's life and 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 so he was he was afraid he was scared right and and you would think dude you just had this crazy victory why what are you what are you afraid of you know you had you had 850 prophets that were against you and one woman, I mean, granted, it was Jezebel, and then and, and she was cray cray, you know what I'm saying? But one woman threatens you and and you flee. And so he goes out into the wilderness. And here we 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 catch up with Elijah in, in verse 11. And in verse 11, he said, you know, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. God knew what Elijah who at this time he was he was depressed he was discouraged he was just down he was beaten down you know he had been doing ministry for the lord and he had been doing you know amazing things for the lord but sometimes we get tired doing ministry right you know even after a great victory you know and i'll tell you right now even after an amazing uh you know Christmas weekend service or Easter service, or we're coming at, at the tail end of this miracles in motion, you know, uh, series that, you know, and, and great victories. And we, and even, you know, we, we hear stories and we're, we're hearing testimonies of miracles. We can still get tired. We can still be depressed. You know, we're still human, right? Elijah was still human. I knew what he needed at that time. Elijah needed a personal encounter with God. 
a personal encounter with God. There was nothing wrong with Elijah's theology. There was nothing wrong with, you know, what he preached, you know, but, but that at, the, at this time there was something he was linking. And that was an encounter with God. And it says, behold, the Lord passed by. God brought his presence before Elijah. But first, but first he wanted to show Elijah where he was not. The Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the fire. And I can imagine, right? You know, think about, think about, um, uh, some of these crazy disaster movies that, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, of like, you know, the, 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 the all the weather's going crazy. The earth is, you know, all, all the, all the craziness, right. And people are running and there's fire and there's earthquakes, right. Imagine an experience like that. Elijah is sitting there in the middle of a hurricane, right? Smack dab in the middle of a hurricane and God's not there. Then he's in the middle of a, you know, I don't know, a 9.0 earthquake, right? The biggest earthquake imaginable. And God's still not there, right? God is making it happen, but God's not there. And then a fire and a crazy fire, you know, all around him and God is not there. And like many of us, Elijah probably only looked for God in the dramatic manifestations of his presence, right? You know, and, you know, we go to church sometimes and we're like, we want an experience. We want to have the create, we want to have the emotion. We want to have all this, right? People come to church. When when people come to church, you know what? You know, family, let's, let's, let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. You know what one of, one of my, my my biggest pet peeves in church is? And don't tell nobody, all right? This is just for us, this 6 a.m., you know, soap, right? Don't tell nobody else. When people come to church and they leave and they said, they say, I don't feel the Holy Spirit here. Well, I don't know what Holy Spirit you're looking for, but I'm looking around and people are experiencing God. People are having, you know, encounters with the Lord. What you're looking for is the dramatic. You're looking for the extraordinary. You're looking for God to, to I don't know, rain down fire and brimstone. And, and then you can, then you'll say, you're looking for people to be healed right in front of you. You know, you're looking for all the, 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 the craziness around you. But God does not have to manifest himself in a way that you are looking for. God is God. Elijah was looking for God in the in the, the the dramatic. But God wasn't there. You know, you know, oftentimes he appears in the much the the, the less dramatic surroundings. How oftentimes do you do you go out for a walk? You're so, you know, you're all, you know, you're off by yourself. You're walking in the woods or you're just, you know, whatever. And you can feel the presence of God. You can feel him ministering to you, right? You can, you, you can feel him, him trying to speak to you and to reveal things to you. That's where God is. Elijah, like so many of us are looking for the dramatic, but God's like, I'm not putting on a show for you. I'm not putting on a show for you. I want to I want to be here with you. I want to have a relationship with you. 
God's telling some of us, you know, if you need me just to show off all the time, you're looking for a magician. You're looking for an entertainer. You're not looking for a relationship with me. Verse 12, after the fire, a still small voice. This final phenomenon was marked um, was marked by, by, by a contrast of the previous manifestations. God actually met Elijah in the quiet whisper of a voice. Instead of the wind, instead of an earthquake, instead of the fire, as you know that, that had happened before, the still small voice could be thought of as a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. And how do you hear a whisper when someone's close to you? See, because with the dramatic, with the loud, with the lights, with the fire, with the, the movement, you know, God could be anywhere. But if he's whispering to you, he's right next to you. He's right next to you. That is an encounter with God. Everything else is just a display of his power. But God wants to be close to us, brothers and sisters. He wants to speak to us in that still, small voice. He wants to speak to us in a whisper. Charles Spurgeon writes, And now the thunder ceased, and the lightning was gone, and the earth was still, and the wind was hushed, and there was a, a, a dead calm. And out of the midst of the still air, there came what the Hebrews call a voice of gentle silence, as if silence had become audible, as if silence had become audible. There is nothing more terrible than an awful stillness after a dread uproar. I believe the silence and the still small voice shook Elijah a little bit more. That had a little bit more meaning, right? A little, a little scarier. I can tell you when, and when we were in Afghanistan, and we'd be under under attack. You know, you hear explosions. You almost get used to the explosions. You get used to things blowing up around you, and then when it would stop suddenly, then it's like, oh dang, what's going on? You're a little bit more scared of that, brothers and sisters. We come to church and we see the dramatic, and we see the, you know. The way God can, can move, right? And we go to church and we have amazing worship experiences. Cumberland County, you know, for the past few weeks, we've had some worship experience that are just, it's just mind-blowing, right? And that's what we come to church. And that's what we look for. That's what we're expecting. But then when it comes sometimes to hearing that still small voice of God, to slowing things down, spending time in silence with our Creator, that scares us. Why? Why does that scare us? Let me move on. Elijah may have thought that the, the, the dramatic display of power that we witnessed in chapter 18 on Mount Carmel would turn the whole nation around, or perhaps the, the display of God's judgment against the priest of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel would, would change the, the hearts of the nation. But neither of these things worked. This is an example of how important for us today as we spread the gospel. It shows that the, the displays of power or, or, and preaching God's you know, anger don't necessarily change people's hearts. Instead, it's the still small voice of God speaking to the human heart. That is what is actually more powerful than outward displays of God's judgment. 
We can go to all the churches we want, and we can hear every message from from every you know preacher that's that's bringing down hellfire and brimstone, and you know, and and doing all this. And I, I, listen, I've, I've been to those churches, right? And they're doing more to scare people away from the church. But if we if we disciple people, and 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 we show by example that we can get more out of God when we pursue the intimate relationship. We don't pursue the outward displays. We don't pursue the shows of his power. We but we pursue him. God was telling Elijah, pursue me. Come after me. And so in verse 13, he says, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Immediately, Elijah, he sensed that God was present in the still small voice in a way that he wasn't with everything else because he sensed this he sensed the 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 special presence of god elijah he humbled himself when he he wrapped his face in his mantle think of his mantle as like a cloak almost like a like an animal skin with hair and that he would wrap around him and and he just he's just he's covering himself up and god tells him what are you doing here, Elijah? He asked him the same thing in verses 9 and 10 of this chapter. What are you doing here? God's telling some of us, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you? Now, God knows what we're doing, right? He asked Adam the same question in the garden. Where are you? And he knew exactly where he was. And at that point, it was more of a, a question of position, not location. And here, you know, he's saying, what are you doing? He's almost like, you know, wants Elijah to think. Like, homie, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? You know what you're supposed to be doing. God tells us. God, God's often, he's, he, he asks us those questions, so we got to think for ourselves. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, when, when I first uh, really pursued the call of ministry, you know, I asked, I prayed. I was at a point in my life where I was like, you know, at a crossroads, like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm finding myself retired from the military. And, you know, I was, I was going to school for something else and I wasn't happy. And, you know, and, and, um, and, and I felt the Lord say, bro, you know what you need to be doing? Like, what are you doing right now? He's telling us, pursue me. So he says in verse 15, go, return on your way, anoint Hazael the king over Syria. God gave Elijah something to do. God gave Elijah some more work to do. He needed tasks to focus so he could avoid um, excessive introspection. So he would stop dwelling on, on his surroundings, dwelling on on his circumstances. He needed to stop looking at himself. And even though his circumstances were difficult, he needed to get on with what God wanted him to do. One of the problems that we have with people in the church is that they get so caught up in what's going around them and they walk away. They leave the church and they blame the church. And God's saying, no, you need to be more, more plugged in. You need to get deeper. You need to get deeper roots. God gave Elijah a work. 
Another quote by Charles Spurgeon says, And the Lord did what perhaps was best of all for Elijah. He gave him some more work to do. He sent him off about his his master's business again. And, And I warrant you that when Elijah went back, over that road, it was with a very different step from which um, that which had brought him down to Beersheba. He had come along terrified and distressed, but now he goes with the majesty that belongs to the Tishbite. He was afraid of no Jezebel now. That still small voice gave Elijah the strength that he needed to go on. And Elijah listened to what God told him to do. He was obedient to what God wanted him to do. Verse 16, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. God had more work for Elijah to do. And he would he would demonstrate God's choice of Jehu to be the king to succeed the corrupt Ahab and Jezebel. And then he says, Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Nebola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. God gave something else to the discouraged and the depressed prophet beyond just work to do he also gave him a friend and a successor elijah needed a friend the core of his complaint was before god was that that he was alone i'm the only prophet i'm the only one proclaiming your name it's just me god so god let him know that there was a man ready to learn from the great prophet and be his disciple to be his companion, to be his friend. This gave Elijah some hope. And since Elisha would be raised as a, as a successor to Elijah, to his to his his office of prophet, Elijah then knew that his work would continue even after his death. That the work that he had been doing in the land you know, wouldn't just be over, that there was going to be someone to to pick up the mantle and keep going, right? To keep proclaiming the word of the Lord. Verse 17, it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. This was another source of encouragement to Elijah. With this promise, he knew that, that ultimately justice would be done and God would not allow the persecution and promotion uh, of idolatry to go unpunished. And then he says in verse 18, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. This was an encouragement to Elijah. Again, he repeatedly complained that he was alone among the followers of God. And this both assured Elijah that he was not alone, that his work as a prophet had indeed been fruitful. This showed Elijah that his quiet ministry over the years had actually bore more fruit than the spectacular ministry that took place on Mount Carmel. That amazing display of power on Mount Carmel when God rained down fire on the altars had very little to do to reach the 7,000 in in, in Israel. And Elijah had just finished defeating 850 prophets of Baal. These were all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. 850 against one man. And now Elijah is finding out he's not alone. 
7,000 people, 7,000 believed in the one true God. Elijah wasn't alone. Elijah wasn't alone um, in his belief in God. Elijah was not alone in his, tr in his trust in God. He departed from there, verse 19, and found Elijah, Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Elijah did what um, the still small voice of God told him to do. It just happened that he ended up doing it in reverse order than what God told him to do it. Um, but perhaps Elijah believed that he first needed a friend and an apprentice. And it says that Elisha, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. Elijah found Elisha um, and commissioned him to ministry while Elisha was at work. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. This, this mantle was the symbol of Elijah's prophetic authority. It was a, and it was it was a dramatic this was a, a dramatic symbol that said, I call upon you to join in my work as a prophet. The mantle was was a, a, a particular garb of the prophet. Second Kings 1 8 says, So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist, and he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. It was it was symbolic of who he was as a prophet. All right. Again, think of like an animal skin with a, with a lot of hair. So he put around him and he took that off and he placed it over Elisha. And then so he calls him and Elisha says, hey, let me let me go say let me say farewell to my parents. And Elijah's response is, what have I done to you? OK, that may seem kind of weird. You know, it's almost as like, hey, hey, before we go, let me let me just let me go to, 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 to mama and daddy and say bye. And Elijah's like, what have I done to you? OK, it's actually not the correct wording. Right. It, it actually could mean remember what I have done to you. It might be more of a might be a, uh, um, as if he was rebuking him if he delayed in following him. OK, it's not, you know, he, he's, it's like if you if you delay in going, there's going to be we're going to have some problems like Elijah's like, go do what you got to do. But don't take your time. Elijah, Elijah's, Elijah's reply indicates that he himself had not called Elisha. It was God's call. Elijah was telling Elisha, like, do not delay. God called you. Elijah could have been like, cool. Hey, man. Say bye to your parents, do what you got to do. But Elijah also knew this was God's call. So he was saying, do not delay, do not tarry. Don't take your time. Let's make this happen. Because whether, whether Elisha would answer the call or not was his own decision. It wasn't up to, up to Elijah. Elisha had to make the decision. So verse 21, and we're going to begin to wrap up here. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the, the people, and they ate. This demonstrated Elisha's complete commitment to following Elijah. He destroyed the tools of his trade, and, 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 and he threw a going-away party for his friends and family. And think about this. Elisha, he probably had some considerable wealth. Right, Elisha was probably wealthy, and we we know this because it said he had twelve oxen. All right, rich people had that many animals just to plow a field. 
right? And think about it like this. If you have if you have a small field, you may need one oxen, right? Listen, I ain't a farmer, all right? I'm just telling you. The gospel according to Pastor Jason says, you know, one oxen, small farm. 12 oxen, you got a lot of land, right? You're wealthy. And so Elijah, you know, he had his 12 oxen to till the ground. And he destroyed, he slaughtered the oxen, cooked them up, destroyed the yoke, destroyed everything for his work, and he threw a party. That ground was not going to get worked anymore. Elisha did not want anything that was going to bring him back to his old way of life. Because he knew he had a calling today to follow the prophet and then in turn eventually take over as the prophet of Israel. And so he didn't want to have to, he didn't want anything lingering on the back of his mind saying, ah, I got them crops I got to take care of. No, he knew like, even if I go back, I ain't, I ain't got no way of doing it. The Lord is telling some of us, we need to burn the oxen in our life. There are things that are holding us back, right? There are things that are keeping us from our destiny, things that are keeping us from the will and the calling that God has placed on our life. And it's hard. It may be difficult and it's going to be a sacrifice, right? But part of this miracles in motion, spiritual journey that we're on right now is that there are sometimes there are things in our life that God is saying, give it to me, give it to me. It's holding you captive. Sacrifice. Do, do what I'm calling you to do. And for, for some of us, it may be something monetarily. It may be, you know, that you need to sell this or get rid of this or, you know, whatever it is. That's between you and God. You know, listen, quite honestly, listen, I don't care what it is in your life. But what I do care is that you're obedient to what God is calling you to do. You're obedient to that still small voice because I'm telling you, God is speaking to us. But if we're looking to God in the big boisterous, boisterous demonstrations of his power, we're not going to hear him. Because think about like this, if you're in a, you're in a concert, right? And there's, there's an elevation concert happening in a couple of days. It's going to be loud. Y'all have fun. Whoever's going, whatever. I'll be at home chilling in my comfortable couch, you know, but you are not going to be next to somebody. And if they're trying to talk to you, you ain't going to hear them, right? You can't hear them because there's so much loud going on around you. You need to get away from the loud. You need to get into your, your, your quiet place, get to your prayer closet, wherever that may be. Listen for the voice of the Lord, because I'm telling you, and I promise you, he is talking. He is speaking. He wants to reveal. He wants to open up your mind, open up your heart. He wants to show you those things. He wants to get clo closer and deeper with you. He wants you to have a deeper understanding of who he is. Right? And he's telling some of us, it's time to burn the plow. It's time to burn the oxen. Let's get real. We ain't got no time for games. Listen, the church church folk, we like to say we're in the end days, right? We're in the last days, right? We've, we've, we've heard all the time. I'm going to tell you right now, we in the last hours. 
God is getting ready to come back and God is ready to do a move. Then God is ready to pour out his spirit on all flesh and we have to be ready, right? But in order to be ready, we have to be closer to him. We have to know who we are. We have to have our, our identity in him. Listen for the still small voice. Burn the ox and the, and the yoke that's in your life. And I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for, for examples like Elisha, who, who, Father, we, we, the word doesn't say, but we can, we can infer from your word that he was a wealthy man because the poor people didn't have 12 oxen of all animals. And Lord, he still destroyed it. He got rid of it and he turned to you. He sacrificed all to be with you. He sacrificed everything to do the work that you have called onto his life, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we would have the same resolve as he, as Elisha. We would have the same uh, strength to, to do what it takes to be your servant, Lord Jesus. I pray for my, my brothers and my sisters on this call, my brothers and sisters listening later on, Lord. Just speak to them, reveal things to them. I pray that they would not look to you in the loud. They would not look to you in the wind, the earthquake, or the fire, Lord God, but they would they would pause to listen to your still small voice, that whisper, Jesus. That whisper that only comes when we're close. That whisper that we can only hear when we are in your embrace. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would, that their desire would be to have that type of relationship with you. Father, we praise you for what you're doing and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. See you again next week. God bless.